Well, over the last many months, we have been working our way through the first three chapters of the book of Romans. Uh, we were there last week. We made it down through, I believe, verse 12. We're going to go a little further today. Uh, but I want to begin in verse 9. Let's pick it up in verse 9. And let's our opening reading, let's take it through verse 20. So Romans 3, verses 9 through 20. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. Now, now again, you remember who this, who this is. Who's, who's asking the questions. You know, this this was the the Jews, probably more specific, unbelieving Jews. And so Paul is is asking them, and and here, what then are are we better than they? Because Paul was a Jew too, right? Paul was a Jew too. Are we better than they? Who's the they? All those who weren't a Jew, the Greeks, the Gentiles, whatever name you would want to give to them. What then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. That's what Paul has been doing this whole time up to this point. Previously charged. I've already said this. Verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we always want to give thanks for Your Word. And Lord, as we come to it, our Word of God speak. Holy Spirit, move and stir within us. Lord, You know where we all are. Father, give us understanding at a level that we all may understand. Teach us, I pray, by Your Spirit, by the truth of Your Word. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So really, since Romans, the first chapter, verse 18, Paul has been presenting the truth that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, both Jew and Greek, Gentile, and that apart from receiving by faith the gospel of Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile are sinful and under the wrath and condemnation of God, there is no partiality with God. He has charged both Jew and Greek all under sin. He has been pressing home 
over and over again. There's none righteous. No, not one. And then Paul, uh, now as we began looking at last week, is making his case before the Jews by using the very scriptures that they hold dear. The, the very oracles of God that had been given to them. And it's as though Paul is saying, okay, if, if you have objections to my message, well then what about your scripture? Well, what is your scripture saying about all these things that I'm talking about? And so he takes them into the Old Testament. We'll read just a few in, in Psalms 14, verses 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God, they have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. None who understands. None who are wise, you see. They are blind to the truth of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in, in Romans 3, uh, verses 13 through 17, see, Paul lays out the description of those who do not understand. This is those who are blind of heart. He, and he takes these descriptive verses from the Old Testament. Let's read again, verses 13 through 17. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. A, a gripping description of sin, is it not? And much was, was talking of speech. The speech of the sinful and wicked, the, the, the first several verses there. Let, let me read just a few verses from the Old Testament, Proverbs 10, verse 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. And if you go a little further in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. If we drop down in, in that same chapter, verse 28, Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. See, that which proceeds forth from the mouth, from the heart, uh, affected their conduct. And, and then those next verses dealt with that. Swift to shed blood, destruction, misery, the way of peace they have not known. And then it's as though Paul brings it to another one of those summary type verses in verse 18. So Romans 3 verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now that says a lot. Because we know what Scripture says about the fear of the Lord. Now listen, listen to this in, in Psalms 36. Psalms 36, the first four verses. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before His eyes. For He flatters Himself in His own eyes. It's pride, isn't it? It's pride. When he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. 
justification of why you do things and say things, right? Justifying all of those things. Justifying sin. Justifying hateful words. Justifying it all. It's not me. It's not me. When he finds out his iniquity and when he hates, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. And I believe it all can be wrapped up under that phrase, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Their understanding is darkened. We read this last week, Ephesians 4 verse 18. having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Ignorance. An absence of true wisdom. And we know what wisdom is. Let's read again from Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One, what, what, what did Paul said That there, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Accepting the truth of God and, and not exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Which is what these had been doing. In Psalms 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. In Psalms 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. He's a great God. He is the God. He is most high God. In light of who He is, you know, I, I know that the, the word fear has a, a meaning of reverential awe but within that reverential awe is a true fear oh yes we love him because he first loved us he loves us but he is god he holds all things in his hands and all things consist because of him serve the lord with fear and rejoice with trembling in hebrews 12 verse 28 and 29 Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. See, for the unbeliever, they should be trembling, but there is no fear of God in them. You, you see? There's no fear of God in them. They're, they're not trembling because of what God may do to them. What Paul saying in Philippians, the second chapter. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. The, the true believer will serve the Lord with a reverence and godly fear, knowing that He is the great one true God, the Creator of all things. 
Jesus said himself, do not fear man who can kill the body, but him who can destroy both what? Body and soul. That's Matthew 10, verse 28. Go ahead and put that up. This is what Christ said. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now let's go back to Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. And Paul brings everything together again. Now we know. See, there's a, let me pause there. There's a statement of certainty. We know. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, why? That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, this declaration allows no exceptions. Every unbelieving person, whether Jew or Gentile, is under the law and all the world is guilty before Him. There is no salvation, no justification provided by the law. The law only condemns because no mere human possesses the ability to fully keep the law. Now, does the law have purpose today? Yes, we've we've talked about this many times. Let's, Let's talk about it one more time. Yes, the law has purpose Today, it reveals sin. It will convict of sin. The the law is not sin, but it reveals sin to the point that all the world is guilty. There is none righteous, no, not one. And the Apostle Paul talked about uh, the the law revealing sin in, in Romans 7, 7. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So does the law have purpose? Yes. Yes, the law is yet the tutor, the helper, the word used by the Spirit to reveal sin. The Word used by the Spirit of God to reveal and convict of sin. In Galatians 3, uh, verses 21 through 25, is the law then against the promises of God? And again, (laughs) Paul makes the emphatic statement, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin. Let me pause there for a minute. Does Paul have the same message over and over and over and over? Yes, he does. But the Scripture has confined all under sin. Why? That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, 
that we might be justified by faith because no one is justified by the law. No one. The law cannot justify anyone. So yes, the law has purpose, but by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But 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 the Jew was counting on all these things. The, the Jew was counting on the law to save them. After all, they, they were given the oracles of God. They were given the law written by the finger of God Himself. Given to them. And they were counting on, on this to save them. Abraham was their father. But, but, but Paul were, were descendants of Abraham. But, but Paul... We, we bear the, the sign of the covenant upon our bodies in physical circumcision. But, but Paul, we are, have been chosen by Him. What was all that for nothing? Because if they could not find salvation in all of these things, where was their hope? See, Paul is bringing them to that point of hopelessness. Do you see that? Do you see that? And then, verse 21. Verse 21. Paul begins. Good news. Here's the good news. Let's look. Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now, now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. What's he saying? He begins to give the good news. Man can be made right with God. There is a way that's been revealed, that's been manifest in Christ and through Christ. And then Paul says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. (laughs) Now, where was that aimed? That was aimed right at the Jew. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You see, the Jew... Now Paul's not talking about something new, is he? But he's talking about the divine righteousness that is spoken of throughout the Jewish Scriptures by the law and prophets, would have, which would have been a common phrase to the Jew at that time. It pertained to the whole of God's Word, His written Word. In, in John, let, let's break away just for a second. In John, the fifth chapter, verses 29 and 30. Or, or 29 and 40, I'm sorry. 29 and 40. This is Jesus. What's He saying? You know, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these, these Scriptures are they which testify of Me. But you are not willing to come to Me that you may have life. See, that's that's what Christ was saying. That's what Paul has been saying. You you have the Scriptures that tell of the way. And, And now He has been made manifest. He has been revealed. He has come. God with us. Emmanuel. Let's read again. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Let's go again. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Now let me pause there again. No partiality. You get that, right? There's no partiality in regard to sin. There's no partiality in regard to redemption and salvation. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, we're, we're not going to be able to break this all down today. This will be in weeks to come in talking about propitiation and redemption and all these things. But, but, but today, let's just read through it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, there's there's a sermon right there just on God had to do these things so that He can justify passing over the sins in the past, bringing it to this present time. And we'll get into that in the weeks to come. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. By the law of faith. This is perhaps one of the greatest portions of Scripture that we have. Right here in the midst of Romans 3. That latter part of Romans 3. Are we saved by the law? No. Are we saved by works? No. But by the law of faith. Faith. We know what Paul said in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace... The grace of God, you have been saved, how? Through faith. The law of faith. Through faith. And that, that faith, it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Freely. Given freely. Justified freely. Scotty, you talked about it last Sunday. Free gift for us. But all. At a terrible cost to God the Father. Through the, the life of His only begotten Son. But, but the free gift given freely, justified freely by His grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Saved by grace through faith. A faith wrought by the Spirit of God that opens our eyes to see the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul's message has always been based on Christ. We preach Christ crucified. 
Let's read that portion in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 21 through 24. Here, Paul keeps summing this message up over and over again in these letters that he has written. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. What have we read already today? They were ignorant. They're in darkness. The world through wisdom, worldly wisdom, you see, did not know God. There was no fear of God in their in them. They did not know God. And then what? It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. What message? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It pleased God through the message of the, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. <laughs> is that a, is that a theme that continues throughout all of scripture, especially the Pauline letters? For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ Crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Why? No fear of God in them, that's why. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. Still is today, is it not? To the Greeks, to the world, foolishness still is today, isn't it? But to those... (laughs) Here's Here's a good part right here. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. To those He calls to Himself. To those that He opens eyes and ears to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To them, the power of God and the wisdom of God. No longer in ignorance and blindness. No longer there. But now, we could say we have a fear of God. Because to the, to, the, to the ignorant and the unwise, there was no fear of God in them. But now, we serve the Lord with reverence and fear. For He is God. For He is God. Again, Christ, the power of God. The, the gospel message preached that all who believe might be saved, might have eternal salvation. Christ, the power of God to salvation. Who needs saving? Everyone. Everyone. We've been, we've been going over what Paul has said the last several weeks. There is none righteous, no, not one. Everyone. Everyone. All under the power of sin. All under condemnation and the wrath of God apart from saving faith. All. All. All are guilty. Romans 3 verse 10. We read it. There is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what is the penalty for sin? Death. In Romans 6, 23. For the wages, the cost of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the law of God demanded a sacrifice for sin. 
And the sacrifice must be a blood sacrifice without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. Brian, you read from Hebrews this morning. Let's read some more. Let's read it again. In Hebrews 9, verses 19 through 22. Hebrews 9, 19 through 22. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the bread, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. You get a picture of that. You get a picture of that. Dipping the hyssop and sprinkling and sprinkling and sprinkling. Saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now let's back up a little bit. In Hebrews 9, verses 11 and 12. Just two verses there. But Christ came. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That gets me every time to think of Christ, our great high priest, Or the high priest would take the offering into the holy of holies and and place that blood offering upon the, the, the mercy seat. But Christ, our great high priest, gave Himself with His own blood he poured out His blood upon the mercy seat. And, and the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everything else, what happened when Christ died on the cross? Torn from top to bottom. No longer needed. Because Christ is our great high priest. And it's by His blood that we are saved. His blood. His blood. He has entered the most holy place once for all. Having obtained eternal Redemption. Let's go on to chapter 10 in Hebrews. These chapters in Hebrews are such great reminders in talking about the blood of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. In Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 14. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Therefore, when He, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of Me to do Your will, O God. Oh, had it been written? Had it been written before? The 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 law and the prophets, had it talked about the one who would come? Yes. Yes, it had. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. First covenant. That he may establish the second. The new covenant in his blood, you see. By that will, by the will of God, because He had come to do the Father's will, by that will, 
we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Is this still going on today? But this man, (laughs) this Jesus, my Savior, my Redeemer, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. A a significant thing. Completion. It's finished. It's done. Sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Who was the just one? That was Christ. Who was the unjust? That's me. That's you. The just for the unjust. Why? Why would He do such a thing? That He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Christ died the atonement for sin. Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which He, which Christ, consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Jesus provided a new and living way. The way that the law and the prophets had talked about, had prophesied about, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, now had come to the earth providing the new covenant in His blood. Matthew 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ. We were redeemed by the blood of Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In Acts 13, verses 38 through 39. Acts 13, 38 through 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren. Oh, this was, this was a bold statement here, wasn't it? Considering the audience that this was being delivered. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, this Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by Him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Don't you know they wanted to kill Him for such words? Boldness to speak of the blood of Christ. We're redeemed by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or spot. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 7. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Put yourself in the verse. Put your name in here. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. And it seems like I'm just compelled to always say, what are we healed from? Our condition of sin. Our condition of sin. Christ, the power of God, a great physician that can heal any bodily disease or anything, can it? But is that why Christ died on the cross to heal our physical bodies? No. He died on the cross to heal us spiritually. Spiritually. By His stripes we are healed from our condition of sin. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. <laughs> Let me pause there. Isn't that everything that Paul was talking about? We have turned everyone to His own way and the Lord has laid on Him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Pause again. Did they have clear Scripture, the Law and the Prophets, that told them of the coming Messiah in Christ? Yes. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Peter talked about it in his letter in 1 Peter 2nd chapter. Verses 23 and 24. Echoing the prophet Isaiah. Who when he, when Christ was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten nor committed himself, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The blood of Christ, the blessed hope that we can have in Christ and the work of the cross, 
Let's read the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 11th chapter. We read this every communion service, I believe. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I, this was Paul, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. He took two of the elements from the Passover meal. He took the bread. Jesus had talked to the disciples on the journey, didn't He? In John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me shall never hunger, and he who believes in Me shall never thirst. If you drop down to verses 50 and 51. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus gave Himself upon the cross. He bore our sins to the cross. And He talked of the new covenant in my blood. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And so Jesus said, take the bread and the cup and remember Him. Remember what He has done. Remember the plan of salvation that has been brought to us by Christ, the work of the cross and His shed blood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how can we cease from giving thanks for the great plan of salvation that that you had, that you brought forth in, in Christ, your only begotten Son? How can we cease from giving thanks for Jesus Christ willingly giving of Himself, willingly becoming the sacrifice for sin, for willingly being that great high priest that would give of Himself and His own blood upon the mercy seat? How can, how can we cease from giving thanks that, that one day You opened our eyes? For every child of God, You opened our eyes that we might see the true message of the cross, the true Gospel of Christ. Father, we want to honor the words of Christ when He said, do this in remembrance of Me. Help us to remember and never forget what Christ has done. It's in His name I pray. Amen. Amen.